Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, September 27. Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening as we count down to the NRL Grand Final. The Battle of the West, Sunday evening at a core stadium, Penrith and Parramatta. What about the scenes there yesterday at Kellyville at the Parramatta training base? Up to 5,000 members had registered to go and watch the Eels train yesterday. Probably didn't get that many, still got... A few thousand uh, great scenes there, and I'm sure that would have hit the Parramatta players right between the eyes of what an opportunity they have to end a 36-year premiership drought. Loz, morning to you, mate, and uh, they're all coming out. Mitchell Moses trying to emulate Peter Sterling, Brett Kenny, all of them, the legends of the mid-'80s from Parra, and uh, what a chance this team has got. Yeah, morning, boys. Um, yep, yeah, it's a big week for Parramatta, no doubt about it. 36 years is a long time between drinks. Uh, but they're a side that's capable of winning a competition if they can get their style of footy on. Uh, Penrith, though, they'll be hard to beat. They're a mighty club. What they've been able to achieve in the last three years has been something special. They've won all the junior grades, they've won reserve grade, and now they just need to top it off with a premiership with first grade. Uh, this is their third grand final in a row. Um, and as I said, they're just a very, very good football side. But the unknown is Parramatta, how they handle the occasion, what's the driving force behind um, their performance on Sunday. Uh, individually, can they all bring their best game? Because if they bring their best game, they can win. Um, there's no doubt about that. We've seen Parramatta um, start well against footy sides. They've beaten Penrith twice this year. Um, you know, there's some talk about Nathan Brown possibly coming back into the team. It'll be named at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Looks as though Taylor May won't get up from that hamstring injury that he suffered in week one of the finals, and Charlie Staines will hold on to his position in uh, Penrith's side. Uh, but Parramatta, they've got a few tough decisions to make, whether they go with Wonga Blake, whether Tom Opachik, uh check uh, passes his fitness test on a hamstring, whether they keep... Uh, Bryce Cartwright on the bench, uh, whether they include Nathan Brown. So there's a lot to discuss if you're a Parramatta uh, coach. And when they sit down today to name their team, I'll be interested to see what 17 they come up with. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating when those teams come out later today. Morning, Pup. Morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, I watched, um, I saw some of what Braith and Astor were saying on Fox 360, I think it was last night. And I think you made a really good point. Having um, Brad Arthur on the on the, on the bench... Uh, Brad Arthur on the bench. His son, not the coach. Jake. Um, Jake, yeah, on the bench. Oh, I think if one of these Parramatta halves goes down, I don't think they can beat Penrith anyway. So if Mitchell Moses, for example, gets concussed and has to come off the field, I think Parra Cook. So I, I think Brace made a great point that you're better off putting someone on that bench that you can have, you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of impact than having someone as a precaution in case one of the two halves goes down. And I, I think he said it very well. I think that's spot on. I, I think they need, for Penrith, for Parramatta to have any chance of beating this Penrith team, they need everything to go well for, for the entire team, but certainly for their half and five-eighth. Well, Denny Widler and, and Michael Chemis have written in the Herald today, and Denny will be on, as always, after 8 o'clock this morning, that it'll actually be Bryce Cartwright that he would come in for, this is Nathan Brown, rather than Jake Bartha. Yeah, I'd leave Bryce Cartwright in the team. Mm. I'd have him there because he can play in the halves, he can play in your back row, he can play in the centres if needed. And he's got more versatility than Jake Arthur. And I think that a cameo from Bryce, he can win you a game. He could give you 15 minutes of gold. Um, mm. You know, 
I, I just don't know what role Jake Arthur plays in this footy team, in particular in this game on Sunday night. How do you get him into the game if one of those guys don't get injured? I, I, I don't see that. Yet if you've got a Cartwright and Brown on the bench, Ryan Madison on the bench. Yeah, he's Kofusi the other one, Loz. Madison's played in the halves as well. Yeah, he, he can play as a stopgap 5-8. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think you get more out of those guys than what you can with Jake Arthur. And if you're sitting there waiting for your half to go down, they mightn't go down. So you just don't get mm. one player on the field. So you're basically taking on Penrith with 16. Now, I, I think they'll need a contribution off everyone if they're going to win. And I would have a Bryce Cartwright ready to go or a Nathan Brown ready to go. And that may only be 15 or 20 minutes, but they could go out there and change the game. And, uh, well, Wonga Blake's the other player we're going to be watching and whether uh, Brad Arthur keeps the faith with him. And as for Tom Opachik, I think you only have to go and have a look at John Longmire and the Swans and the fact they picked Sam Reid on the weekend so fresh in the mind that you just can't take a player who's... Particularly hamstring. I mean, Clark, you know about the hamstrings really well. I mean, any sort of hint of a hamstring. Hamstrings these days, it's a month injury, isn't it? Generally oh, no, no, it depends. I reckon grade one's 10 days. But it, it, it also depends on what sport you're playing as well. Cricket, you can, I would imagine you can hide a lot more than rugby league. Like, you can feel it in sleep if it's a test match or a one-dayer. You can, you know, apart from really taking off for a run when you're running between the wickets, you can still, you can get away with your hamstring being, you know, 80%, I reckon, in cricket. I don't know, Loz, in, in rugby league, certainly in a big game, if you could do that. I don't think you could take someone into a, a rugby league grand final. Um, because the other thing, you're, you're that pumped and excited you just you, even if you forgot about your your hemi for an instant and took off at a hundred percent, you blow it. You blow it straight out. Yeah, it depends of the significance of the injury, the grading of it. Yeah, a grade one upper check might be a chance. Um, grade but, one, they say normally ten days. Yeah, because that'll give him at least fourteen days to get up from when he injured it. So he he could be a chance. But I saw some vision last night, and he was doing some run-throughs and he looked okay but then he was walking back to the trainer and I think they've reported in today's paper that he said to the trainer I think I felt it yeah so if he felt Trouble. it today or yeah. Yeah, yesterday no chance no he's no chance yeah agree he, he just can't go into that game a hundred percent fit yeah and as you mentioned Laws Taylor may uh, unlikely, so Charlie Staines will, will hold that spot on the wing. For and he does a really good job, Charlie Staines. So there's not going to lose too much with Charlie Staines there. He's been in this system for a long period of time. He slips in onto the wing there. Um, but but the big decisions will be Parramatta, what they come up with this afternoon. The betting, Penrith, the dollar thirty-eight with Tab Parramatta, three dollars ten eight and a half is the line. So seventy uh, percent of the money is for Penrith. And Dylan Edwards is best back to win the Clive Churchill medal, by the way. $8 on the second line of betting with Nathan Cleary. A very short $2.75 as it stands uh, with Tab ahead of Sunday evening. Now, well, last night the Opals beat Canada 75-72 in a pulsating match at the World Cup. Beck Allen didn't play after she suffered uh, that rib injury. Uh, against Serbia the night before. And the Aussies fell 14 points down in the second quarter, then went on a 19-0 run 
to lead by five at half time and then uh, held on down the stretch. And we'll speak to Brad Rosen uh, later this morning. But what about uh, USA? They beat South Korea 145 to 69. That's a 76 point margin, uh, which is a World Cup scoring record. So it appears that just about everyone's playing for second or silver there at the Basketball World Cup. Lauren Jackson still being used sparingly by coach Sandy Brondello. And she played eight minutes last night, six points. But Semi Whitcomb, 15 points, was superb. As was uh, Ezzy Magbagor, six, uh, had 16 points in a crucial performance from those two to get the Aussies over the line there last night. Um, now, did you see the Geelong Mad Monday uh, celebrations yesterday, Loz? They uh, you know, had a bit of a clip at everyone who said they were too old, too slow. They jumped out of a bus dressed as though they'd come from a retirement home, full with walking frames, cardigans, etc. Some people down in Victoria decided that that was inappropriate, but you know they've always done Mad Monday really well, Geelong, and just a bit of a stab at all the critics. And they're having a bit of fun. Please, everyone, just lighten up a bit. People can't have a laugh these days at anything. Some people can't. Like people take offence to everything. They've just won a grand final. They're taking a bit of a, a stab at people who thought they were too old, too slow. So they got dressed up. It's a fancy dress day. They go and celebrate. Please lighten up. Mm. <laughs> like, honestly. Uh, oh, <laughs> I know. I, I, you know. I'm in your corner here. I, I just can't believe that people would take <laughs> offence to that. Oh, really? I can. That's all, that's, that's, exa- that's all people wake up for, some people. It's who can I be angry at today? Yeah, seriously. Anyway, it was good stuff. Light-hearted fun there from the Cats, and they'll be celebrating for days. Uh, in Cricket Australian, coach Andrew McDonald has re- reiterated, Clarkie, that only injury would force a change to the 15-man 2020 World Cup squad. So you've got Mitch Marsh and Marcus Stoinis, who are returning from injury or set to return from injury. We've got five T20s before the World Cup starts. And our opener is October 22 at the SCG, not far away. Against New Zealand, less than a month away, and uh, we got five uh, T20s against England and the West Indies in the lead up to that. But it looks like there will be no changes based on form, and with Cameron Green flying at the moment, obviously a lot of calls for him to be picked. Yeah, look, I, I think I I like that they're keeping the faith. Otherwise, they look quite silly. They they only picked the squad or announced the squad a couple of weeks ago. So if they're making change based on you know, three T20. If, if, if you just look at T20 format only, there's only, since picking the squad, there's only been three T20s. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think they've got a choice. I think they've got to... I, I think, well, the player we're talking about is Cameron Green coming in for Aaron Finch if they, they're to make a change. It's a massive core, um, you know, three weeks out from a World Cup opener that you drop your captain um, out of the squad. I, I think Finchie needs some runs in these five games to, you know, to, to push and make sure he's, he's walking out to bat with Dave Warner in that first game against New Zealand on the twenty second. I think he certainly needs some runs. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they've got any other choice. You know, I think they've got mm. to stick with the squad they've selected. Otherwise, they look silly. They look like they've got it wrong. Um, and I think they've got to keep the faith in Finchie as well. Certainly for this World Cup now, 
you got you got to back him. And he, uh, if this is the last one for him, then this is the last one. But yeah, I just think for everyone's sake, it'd be nice if Finchy could probably, most importantly, him if he could make some runs in these these T's twenties leading up to the first game against New Zealand. The other thing about Finchy, he's gone through you know uh, rough rough trots before, and then he just walks out and something clicks, and it might be. You know, it might be that in this World Cup. He might make no runs leading up. That first game against New Zealand, the SCG, just might walk out and smack it. So, yeah, I think keep the faith. I, I don't... Oh, I think Cameron Green's good enough to be in that squad, though. So, but that that doesn't necessarily mean for Aaron Finch. I, I was surprised he wasn't picked in the 15 um, when they announced it. But either way, he's a young player with so much talent. He's going to be a part of all three formats in the future. Um, and if Mitchell Marsh or... Marcus Stornis doesn't come up fit, then Cameron Green has to be that first selected player for sure. Back page of the Daily Telegraph, curse killer, Moses' man to match Sterling and uh, the inevitable comparisons here from uh, the 1986 halfback for Parramatta, the great Peter Sterling. And uh, in this article, just saying that Moses is one of 36 halfbacks that have been tried at Parramatta since Sterlo retired back in, what, 1992. So we're talking, what, 30 years now. But uh, I, he's, he's been a malign player. But And I know that he didn't have his best night on Friday night. But he had, uh, as you mentioned yesterday, Loz, quite a, quite a lot going on. Off the field, to say the least, with the birth of his first child, what, four hours before kickoff. Lost, his, lost a grandparent last week as well. But uh, you can't question his value, Mitchell Moses, now, as far as what he's been able to deliver for the Eels. Well, it doesn't matter what we all think or what other people think. It's how Mitch plays on the day. And Mitch will be judged on his performance. And if he can lead this Parramatta team to grand final victory, he will go down as a great of Parramatta. You know, Mm. there's a lot of people that have come and gone. Peter Sterling's been the only successful halfback that has played for that club. In terms of winning premierships, Mitch can add his name to that list. And it's very exclusive and, you know, he's had his critics and we've been critical of him on this program at times, just not owning the game enough. What a wonderful opportunity it is for him. He's had his bad game and his bad game was last week and there's a lot of reasons why he possibly had that bad game. But his mind will be a lot clearer and I think Parramatta just reaching the grand final, I think they'll feel more relaxed. Mm. I, I think... Yeah, leading into a grand final qualifier, I can only imagine the nerves because, you know, they hadn't been there before and people were saying that they can't get there, they're underachievers. But now they're there, they get a great opportunity to reset. So I think that'll help them. But they are coming up against this Penrith side who have been a juggernaut. They have been so good over the last three years. There's not many weaknesses in their footy team. And if you're going to beat them, you've got to play so well for 80 minutes. You can't afford Penrith to get on a roll for 15, 20 minutes because they tear you apart. They can put points on as quick as anyone. So defensively, they'll have to be strong. And with the football, they're going to have to challenge Penrith all night. Just continually challenge them. Uh, Back page of the Herald, it's a Parramatta Fest also. Uh, Anything but quiet on the Western Front. Uh, Andrew Webster writing about, well, basically uh, how the Eels and the Panthers have repelled the AFL's incursion, particularly through, of course, GWS and the amount of money that's been spent by the AFL on that incursion into Rugby League Heartland in Western Sydney. And I think Webby's pretty well spot on here because he had the Giants make a grand final in 2019. You'd have to say they've gone backwards 
and uh, you know, wouldn't say that their footprint in Western Sydney is anywhere near probably what they had hoped. I don't know more than a decade into the competition. They're losing a few players, GWS. So I don't know how they're going to perform next year. We know the Wanderers have gone off the boil. And the Wanderers have got a really strong supporter base out there that support them. But while they're losing, no one turns up. And that's the big issue for those sports at the moment is that they've got to win. If they, if they win games of soccer or if they win games of AFL, people will start to support them. But if they don't, people fall away pretty quickly. I reckon AFL's made more of a dent on rugby than it has league in Sydney. It's particularly big on the North Shore and the Eastern Suburbs, I yeah. would say, more so than the Western Suburbs. Yeah, West is all it's about league rugby league. league. It Simple is, as it that. Is, it is. It's, it's, it's massive. And, and you look at the people that turned up yesterday for Parramatta's Fan Day and Penrith have their Fan Day today. They'll have just as many. It's, it's born and bred into them out there. It's rugby league. Mm. Uh, also, uh, Benny Brown, as Loz mentioned earlier, on verge of grand return after months in wilderness. So Nathan Brown, who hasn't played for the better part of three months in first grade for the Eels, could return to give them some extra stout up front there in the forward pack off the bench. But uh, this report saying it's more than likely to be for Bryce Cartwright uh, rather than Jacob Arthur. Uh, Wonga Woes under high ball among NRL's worst. And Lozzie was saying yesterday, you're not sure you can carry him into the GF. Oh, not on the wing. Not if Opacek's fit. If Opacek's fit, I'm, I'm going Opacek in the centres and Bailey Simonson on the wing. I, I, I just don't think you can play Wonga Blake on the wing. He, he'll probably survive as a centre. Um, but that worries me, concerns me defensively. But... It's a grand final. You just you don't know. You, you know, even though Penrith have been there the last two weeks, they might not handle it. That last two years, they they might handle it on the day. Um, you know, they they know what it takes to win. They know what it takes to lose. Um, and Parramatta, they'll be hungry. So it it just all all comes down to eighty minutes on Sunday, regardless of what's happened over the years, regardless of what's happened throughout the week. It's uh, throughout the the year. It's it's who plays well on the night. Who puts their best foot forward and who's willing to do it for longer? We've got, by the way, later this morning after 7.30, Bryce Cartwright's Uncle John, Penrith Great, and in the Telegraph today, speaking to Dean Bulldog Richie under the headline, Cartwright Coward Claim. Uh, Jed's dad wants trainer banned for life. He hasn't missed John Cartwright in this uh, article in the Telegraph today. Uh, basically, uh, the Pete Green, the Penrith trainer physio, Cartwright says it's the height of being a coward, and if proven, he should be banned for life for supposedly sledging or making comments towards his son, Jed. The father's always going to protect his son, as they should. Uh, the chief executive of South, Blake Solly, in this article, has also piled the pressure on for action to be taken by the NRL, so... If it's proven, should Pete Green be banned from uh, being what's a trainer he, in the What's he grand said, final? though? What's he said? I, I think I don't you've got to find I, out what he said. Yeah, I don't think you can be banned for, you know, saying something, for, banned for life for saying something. And I and don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm one for protect your family, overprotect your family. Um, so I, I, I get that. But, yeah, it, it obviously must have been something quite personal, I would imagine. But if it's just, if it's just on the field sledged, then, I, again, there's no, there's no need for... Any anyone running Gatorade to be saying a word, but it happens in 
just about all sports. But yeah, I don't I don't mind if he you know gets banned for the grand final, for example, gets stood down for that. But I don't know if you can ban him for life unless he said something that is that heavy. Yeah, well, they're saying two different things at the moment: the Pen- Penrith Club and the Souths Club about what was said. Yeah, I think you just got to get so, to the bottom of it, Mido. Yeah, what I was agree. Said, you know, you, you can't be sort of banning people at this stage without knowing what mm. the facts are. So I'm sure and the integrity was, unit will go through that today. Does that happen all the time in league, uh, like the, you know, the trainer or because the trainer's out there majority of the game. So have you like when you played? Do you ever, ever remember a trainer saying something or when you've coached, do you remember like, you know, the trainer saying, surely uh, at origin level they get pumped up and might say something? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, they would. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to remember. I, I, I can't actually remember. It happens having, This is not the first a, time it's happened. No, I don't think so. I think, but I, I, it depends how personal it got. That's the mm. thing. Like, yeah, agree. I agree. I've heard trainers into referees mm. while they're out there. Oh, yeah. that should have been a penalty. You've got no idea, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, I've got no, you know, like a bloke like Alfie, he would G the opposition up when he's out <laughs> on the field. There's Definitely. no doubt in yeah. my mind. But he'd be doing it in a way that was sort of more funny rather than mm. personal mm. as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if, if he's gone heavy with a sledge, he's in big trouble. Yeah, and rightly so and rightly too. so. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you, you shouldn't be sledging the players heavily, um, but we'll find out, no doubt, because the NRL in, uh, in integrity unit will investigate it and see what comes of it. Give us a call, 1353 Send us a text, 0419-767-272. And uh, Craig the Truckee on the text line. Morning, boys. What happens if a player... For the grand final tests positive to COVID in the next few days, are they still testing them? Panthers by 20. He's a big Panthers man, Craig the Truckee. I'll tell you that one thing you won't hear of this week, COVID. You won't be testing. Oh, mate. You're not testing. I'll be. <laughs> no way. Unless you're really crook. Yeah. Unless you're really long, crook. Long, long odds. Uh, I don't know. I, I think if you've got COVID, if you test positive, you'll have to stand down. But I don't think the group will have to stand down if they test negative. This I'm te- pretty confident no one. Well, you just never know, though, I suppose. They might get real crook. Uh, could Nathan Brown do what Paul Osborne did for Canberra in the grand final? No name to that one, but Loz spoke about that yesterday. How, uh, what, you were consulted, weren't you? Basically, uh, mm. you know, who you think yeah, should Tim come Sheen's into the side. Tim the call to start Paul Osborne. He hadn't played in a number of weeks. Mm. In fact, I don't think he played possibly in the last two months of the comp, as in first grade. And he was going overseas to play Aussie. And he decided to stay back just in case he got a run. Just in case. No promises. Worked out well. And then it did work out. And he came on and basically won us the grand final in the first Mm. 15 minutes of that game. Laid on two tries. And we couldn't get him off the field quick enough because we thought he'd try and start turning into Wally Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> which he had a habit of doing hmm. for a front rower. He did have plenty of skill, Aussie, but he could pass the ball and he could read the game so well and he could uh, sum up short sides. That's one thing he could play really well and that's one of the reasons why Shunzi went with him is the fact that we had a such a... We used to play from a long field position. We used to open the field up and you know, Ricky had passed the ball long to me. So Shunzi thought that 
uh, they did it really well in the, the prelim final or the, the qualifying final. They really got up in our face and harassed us, Canterbury. And he, they put an extra number over the on the long side of the field. So because Paul could play down short sides, he thought that he could identify uh, numbers really well. And that's exactly what uh, what happened. He, he, he created two tries down short sides, put Kenny Nagus away with a lovely around-the-corner pass. Uh, while they were focusing on the long side and where the threat they thought was coming with the backline play, forwards down a short side, and they just he just brained it. Uh, but Nathan Brown, he's a very good player. Um, I don't know. There's something, about, there's something about Nathan Brown would suggest to me he would thrive in this occasion, th- on the on the occasion. And even though he hasn't played, I reckon a good twenty minutes out of Nathan Brown um, could be the difference between winning and losing because they're going to have to counter Penrith's forward pack. And when I looked, and and, and someone texted in here this morning saying, um, oh, "Fair go when stop mentioning Parramatta beat." Penrith twice this year. Someone texted in and yeah. said, "With Trent, once, Trent's Trent was it? Well, once was when angry texts when um, <laughs> uh, Penrith didn't play well, and then the other one when Cleary mm. got sent off, and and that's that's okay because that, that that's exactly what happened. Cleary did get sent off, and they just um, out, outplayed them. But when I went back and looked at the stats of both those games, the interesting fact for me was Para went with four forwards on the bench." They went with four forwards on the bench in both games. They've beaten Penrith this year. Well, that's the formula, isn't it? Well, it's mm. telling you something. Surely. It's yeah. telling you something. And again, that's the way I would go. Mm. But who am I to second-guess Brad Arthur after what he's been able to achieve with this club this season? Because plenty of people wanted to write him off and say he couldn't get him to a grand final. Personally, I think their best chance would be to play those four forwards and use Bryce Cartwright as your guy to fill in as your, your halves. Or, as Pup mentioned before, Madison, at a pinch, could probably play six. What's your take, Loz, on the whole oh, stick with the same squad? Like, no, for if me, you can improve well, it. If you can yeah, improve when it. When it comes to cricket, I, I, never, I never agreed with that. To me, because you pick on conditions and you pick on opposition. Now, rugby league, you, you might obviously, conditions don't come into it. You haven't got a pitch to play on. It's, it's, in, a, it's in a cricket surface, a cricket pitch, yeah. where, you know, if, if it's green, you pick an extra fast yeah. bowler. If it's dry, you pick a spinner. But to me, if you've got a, you, you're playing against a different team. Penrith are a completely different team to who you played, you know, to yeah. West Tigers, to Brisbane Broncos. So to me, you've got to pick your 17 based on how do you beat yeah. that opposition. Yeah. Not the whole. You know, pick no, and no, stick because no. it's a different opposition. Yeah. Short O'Sullivan did a terrific job for Penrith when he filled in for Nathan Cleary. He could have won 10 games in a row and got them to a grand final. But you're not leaving Nathan Cleary out of a grand final for Sean O'Sullivan. It, it, it's just the way it works. If you've got a better player that's missed football, even though you're winning, you bring the better player back in. If you think that he can enhance your team and improve your team and make it stronger. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be ruthless about it. Uh, also on the text line, morning boys, I've enjoyed Parra's run through the semis, but I can't see us beating Penrith with only three bench players. That's uh, what we've just been talking about. If we get rolled on Sunday, the achievement of making the grand final will be forgotten and Brad Arthur will rightly cop it. And Nasta's analysis last night was spot on and someone needs to tap BA on the shoulder. 
but I reckon he's too stubborn to realise. If we lose, he'll be forever remembered as the bloke who carried his son to the detriment of the team, says Daz. Well, we need to see how the game plays out first, but uh, the team selection later this afternoon yeah, will no, be fascinating. I, I can understand why Brad has carried um, Jake over the, the last couple of weeks. But m- my um, issue with it is he's only getting a limited number of minutes and he's there in case something happens to the halves. I think Penrith's best chance is going with four forwards and hoping that you know something doesn't happen with your halves. But if something does happen to your halves, you've got a Cartwright or a Madison that could fill in there as a six. You could shift Dylan Brown to seven. Y- you could manufacture a team with those guys on the bench. But I ju- and you but you can still get twenty minutes out of those players. Mm. Whereas with Jake, I just don't know how you get him into the game if nothing happens to your halves. Mm. That's all. I, and I think they need 17 guys. That, they'll need a con- contribution from all 17 on the weekend. And even if it's just a 15, 20-minute cameo from one of them, in that 15 or 20 minutes, they might bring the energy that's needed if they've been under the pump. They might create an offload which creates an opportunity for someone else. They might create – Nathan Brown might create a big collision in the middle of the field, force a turnover in a tight game, and Parramatta off the back of that can – can do something, you know. I, it's going to be a hard game to try and beat Penrith in. You know, you're going to have to be. They're going to have to be at their best, and they're going to have to be physical, and they're going to have to challenge Penrith for 80 minutes. And I think that's their best way forward. And again, when you look at, I I, again, I can't remember the round early in the season when 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 Parramatta beat them, how they played, and it was a given that when Cleary left the field, it was always going to be hard for Penrith to win that game towards the back end of the season against Parramatta. But on both occasions, Parramatta have beaten Penrith this year. They've gone with four forwards on the bench. We've got Shane on the line. G'day, Shane. G'day, Mido boys. How are you today? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, Loz, I've got your front row rotation for the World Cup, but just before that, mate, Nathan Brown is a dead set must. I mean, the last thing Penrith want to see is that lunatic warming up on the sideline 20 minutes into the grand final. Him coming off the back fence, and you leave Cartwright. Exactly. You just go with the power game and try and blow him off the park. I'll be watching it from Fiji, so I'm pumped. Oh. <laughs> How many Fiji bitter will you be into, Shano? I don't know. I've never tried one, but I'm looking forward to having a bit of carver, and hopefully I can find another Vunavalu for the Dolphins. I'll bring one back. <laughs> the Dolphin dominance. The Dolphin. Now, um, Loz, I've got your front row rotation for What have we got? Okay. Big Tino picks himself. Yeah. Regan Campbell-Gillard. The Penrith boys are going to have to suck it up because Mal won't play politics or pick him. Yep. Big Jordan McLean because he's been on fire the last month. And the last front row I'm going with is the smallest front row in the comp, but he's got the biggest heart, Reuben Cotter. You throw in Flegger and Carrigan, those front rowers, we will handle anything the Islanders give to us. i tell you what, he's one of my favourite players, Reuben Cotter. How good. Jeez, he's been impressive this season. What a season, season. Oh, yeah. If you had told me at the start of the year that he'd be playing for Australia at the end of the year, I would have said, no, I don't think so. I think he would have said exactly the same, though. (laughs) After hearing him speak at the the end of the Origin Series, he said the same. Was he playing hooker? Mate, he plays anywhere. (laughs) He he plays anywhere. And then he he played that Origin. What a genius. He only, what, played 80 minutes in Origin 1. Yeah. And was inspirational Mm. for Queensland. And then in that final last weekend, 
He was so good for the Cowboys. Mm, yeah, good player. He's a good player. Yeah. Shane, are you Bears? Chicago, yeah. uh, Justin Fields is probably the worst quarterback ever to come out of the Are they the worst two and one team you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, mate, who knows? I'll tell you what, I'm just watching a bit of it then. Um, the young quarterback from the uh, the Chargers. Um, he Justin like Herbert. Herbert, he's blown his ribs out. They've yep. lost two of their offensive linemen. Um, the, the New England quarterback's gone down. Man, injuries is going to kill a lot of these teams already. They're only three weeks into the season. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The well, offences are struggling big time. Well, mate, yeah, look, I, look if, if you're going to give me an early tip for for the Super Bowl, I know this is right out of the box, but I'm going to say Green Bay and Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, well, you, they'll both probably be right in the mix. Come the business end, even though Green Bay's got no receivers of note, but Aaron Rodgers will find a way. Good on you, Shane. Thanks, mate. Hello, boys. Uh, the Racing League. It's off to a fly with 14 wins from 12 runners to the track across the three eastern states. It's an extraordinary strike rate, and now you can join the fun. TRL is giving you the chance to win, how's this, four VIP tickets to the Moet and Chandon Garden for Epsom Day at Royal Randwick this Saturday. And Loz might be from Juni, but he loves the French champagne. So plus $500 Love cash. It. Plus there's two NRL grand final tickets up for grabs. Gee, how good's that for a weekend? Don't miss out. Entries close this Thursday, 5 p.m. Entry is free. So you just go to trl.net forward slash Epsom. That's trl.net forward slash Epsom. AFSL license 223671. Just some racing news uh, now. The barrier draw for Saturday's Tab Epsom is today. And Hinged and Ice Bath are currently the joint $5 favourites with the likely top weight, top ranked, a $6 chance. Uh, also saw that Mick Price said yesterday evening that uh, Jackano is going to the Everest with a slot to be determined. But it's now in the third line of betting at $13. And Very Elegant runs in the Arc de Triomphe at Longchamp on Sunday. And the 11-time Group 1 winner was a $17 chance when I last checked the market yesterday. Uh, Hugh Bowman, though, declined the ride, wants to stay in Australia and just ride in on Tab Epsom Day. And Mark Zara is going over there. And he rode her to victory in the Caulfield Cup a couple of years ago, so yeah. knows the horse. But uh, we'll be cheering too, her. <clears throat> well, yeah. So uh, plenty going on this week. But that Epsom barrier draw later this morning will be one to watch uh, Stacks of your texts here. Oh, gee, I'll tell you what, they're getting into it this morning, lots on the text line. 0419767272. Morning, boys. Regardless if it's the right decision or not, I'm really hoping Arthur selects Nathan Brown. He and Liam Martin are two angry, hard-running little men, and the two of them against each other will be well worth watching, says Tiger Marty. Morning, lads. BA's kidding himself. If he leaves his son on the bench in Parawin, it'll be the greatest win in rugby league history. Says Steve. Hi, boys. Para need four forwards on the bench. Brown has to be one. This is Para's best chance of winning a comp after this year. They lose a lot of players, and BA will be under huge pressure. Cheers, Adrian. Sending that one through. So it seems to be, you know, not unanimous, but close enough, too, that people yeah. want Nathan Brown in the 17. Yeah, another one here. Hey, guys, how are you going? Just wondering if any of you sports NRL commentators, journalists, has case a team to a grand final. Or case NRL to the semis. I just don't get all of them. You second guessing Brad Arthur and his team selections. He is one that has got them 
to where they are and didn't need your input any other time throughout the years. Cheers, Hunter Tiger. Morning, boys. Does Mary McGregor now work for Parramatta? He loved to have three people on the bench. Biz from Newey. Yeah, Mary's part of that coaching team now. I saw him in the dressing shed there um, last weekend. Um, very good coach in his own right, Mary. He helped New South Wales this year, I think, with Freddie, part of Freddie's team. Um, and obviously he loves the coaching environment. Um, and just on, you know, any sports commentators, uh, journalists having not coached um, you know, teams to a grand final. But it's all about opinions. It's all about what you think Parramatta possibly could do, what Penrith could do, how you expect the game to to play out. You never, ever get it right. But it's always good to be able to discuss it, talk about it, because that's what everyone does in their everyday walk of life. They want to know, what about this grand final on Sunday, how's it going to be played out? Who are they going to select this weekend? How can Parramatta win? What do, what do Penrith do? Can they keep up their consistency, which they've shown us over the last three years? And if they win on Sunday, they'll go down as one of the, the truly great teams of the mm. modern era. Uh, hey, boys, Middle, are you serious? Can't question Mitch's value on what he has delivered. What did he deliver? He was ordinary. What did you watch? His test is Sunday night, not a billion-dollar player so far. No, I said he was... Average last Friday night. And there were reasons for that. But, Loz, I go back to, you know, when we were having the whole discussion about Adam Reynolds. And the fact is the quality halfbacks don't grow on trees. And, yes, Mitch Moses has, you know, had his difficult moments over the course of his career. But the fact is now he has helped lead a Parramatta side into a grand final. And in spite of all the criticism he's copped, over the years, he has the chance for his absolute crowning moment and his legacy will be cemented if he can lead Parramatta to a premiership on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it could be, Mido. There's no doubt about that. But he'll be judged on his performance. Yep. This is the moment for Mitch to stand up and to prove to everyone that he is the player that's worth a million dollars a season if he can guide Parramatta to a grand final. And again, I thought he had his bad game last week. Mm. And there was a lot of reasons why his mind would have been scrambled heading into that game. He'd lost his grandmother and the effect that that would have had on him. And then, you know, his, his partner having the birth of his first child. You can imagine the, the jubilation that he would have went through there and the emotional roller coaster that he went through. So I can understand why his you know, performance wasn't top shelf. But there's no excuse this week. It's about, you know, being able to focus... Narrow your focus in on what you need to do for this game. And if he can deliver a premiership to Parramatta, he's the only other halfback to deliver them a premiership behind the great Peter Sterling. High drama at Wembley this morning in the UEFA Nations League between the old rivals England and Germany. And uh, it's in the 93rd minute and uh, England trailed 2-0 in this match. And then scored three goals in 11 minutes. Shaw, Mason Mount, Harry Kane. And they've just conceded uh, a goal in the 87th minute. So 3-3 England and Germany uh, in stoppage time in that UEFA Nations League game this morning. Other games in that competition. Uh, Italy 2-0 up against Hungary late in that match. 
Uh, oh, gee, I'll tell you what, there's some uh, pretty small European nations uh, in action there this morning. They're the two main games comfortably. Uh, also last night, the Opals, a great win, 75-72 against Canada. Beck Allen didn't play. The Aussies fell 14 down in the second quarter. And then they went on a 19-0 run to lead by five at half time and held on down the stretch. But USA beat South Korea 145-69, to a 76-point margin in that match. So uh, that's a World Cup scoring record. We're going to speak to Brad Rosen about all this shortly. Uh, later today in the NFL, the market with Tab has uh, the New York Giants, the slightest of favorites, $1.85 against the Dallas Cowboys, $1.95 in a battle in the NFC East and uh, in the Marsh Cup yesterday as well. The cricket, yes, that competition has started and it was a win for South Australia over Queensland by 61 runs. The South Australians put on eight for 278. Uh, ben Menenti, 60, top scored. Nathan McAndrew, 55, uh, down towards the bottom of the order. And uh, in response, Queensland were rolled for 217, with Sam Truloff scoring 49, Matt Renshaw, 43. Uh, so uh, that competition underway for this season. G. Clarkie's cricket season comes around quickly, doesn't it? It certainly is, buddy. Yeah, it's generally the same time every year, really. We, you know, I think about even going back and playing club cricket for Western Suburbs, you do your pre-season and as semi-finals footy comes up, you you know you're around the corner. Um, I remember playing, oh, I can't remember if it's, uh, it's about two years before I retired and we we're playing a game at Pratton Park. And the game just stopped because all the boys were worried about... I think it must have been AFL Grand Final was happening and all the boys wanted to know the score. And, yeah, it's um, it's a tough challenge because 99% of cricketers love their footy, whether it be rugby league or AFL. So trying to concentrate on the start of your season as a cricketer, but, yeah, you, you want to watch and and see the build-up to, to the Grand Finals. But, yeah, it's always a good time of the year, you know, lots of sport all around the world. Um you know, footy's in its peak, there's no doubt about it, and, and cricket gets underway. So, good opportunity. This Marsh Cup, again, you, you'll read a lot of names that you, you haven't heard of. Um, obviously, the Aussie boys are away, so they don't play in, uh, much in this tournament. So, it gives a lot of the young, um, up-and-coming first-class players a really good opportunity to start pushing for selection for Sheffield Shield cricket, um, and then hopefully selection to that Australian team as well at some stage. Morning to you, Brad. Go those Opals. <laughs> what a night. Good morning, boys. How did they dig themselves out of that sizable hole they got themselves into in the second quarter, Brad? Well, you've got to set this up as well. Canada, they've been steamrolling everyone. They've won mm. three games of the pool so far. They hadn't lost to anyone, and they were rolling. Aussies came out really good. 9-3 they started. Then Canada went on a 20-5 to run to close out that quarter. And they look like, uh-oh, they're going to do it to Australia like they've done it to everyone else. And like you said, Australia just dug out. Ezzy Magbador was outstanding. Sammy Whitcomb was great. Steph Talbot did what she did. And Tess Magin, a couple of big threes as well. Fantastic game and kudos. Or should I say the Sydney Superdome was pumped. Uh, Brad, it seems that no matter how well we play, and what a massive win for the Opals, but no matter how well we play, we're, we're going to be playing for second place. USA are just freakish, aren't they? Oh, they're another level. They, they look, oh my they look God. Like, um, it's like the 92 Dream Team. Yeah, you yeah. know, like they are just 
you know, beating everyone and beating everyone comfortably without getting out of first gear. Mm. But, you know, for the Aussies, it was always about A, redemption from what happened at the Olympics and B, just getting on that podium. That's all we wanted. And look, if we could get there and have a crack at the US, you beauty, and that would be such a huge win. But right now, we're still sitting third in our pool. We're equal first with Canada, France and Australia are the one, two and three at the moment. But because of the head-to-head, Canada beat France, France beat Australia, we beat Canada. It works out that we're actually coming third. So tonight there's some big games. We can't come fourth, which is great. So we'll miss out the US in the crossover. But we still want to get higher because China are playing really well in the other ones. So it'd be great if we could get one or two. How's Lauren Jackson playing, mate? Fantastic. You know, she's playing limited minutes. It's, you know, 8, 10, 12 minutes a game. And that's what was expected for her. But again, last night came on, hit a couple of big threes and just did what LJ does. But look, it's her presence off the court that would make a huge difference as well. But she's been great. I heard a talk uh, on the television last night. She was talking about how the officials are letting things slide a bit and it's quite tough the games at the moment is that the way you're seeing it as well oh 100 percent, mate Lozer. it's been like a, a brawl out there and you know there's there's been blood pouring out and you know some of the games and you know physical and, and i don't mind that i mean as long as it doesn't get out of control mm. where now you can't take a basketball shot but right now it's about no nah, i'm gonna let you guys play you're going to battle it out as long as you guys don't go stupid well we're not going to call fouls and that's what it was like last night and to be fair it's for both teams it's not like it's called one way or the other yeah, no Beck Allen uh, after the Serbia win as well the other day, and uh, she's been great for us. Uh, do you think she'll play tonight against Japan? Look, I think it would be really tough. She took a big hit in that game against um, against Serbia where it, it really hurt her ribs. She was sitting on the bench last night, smiling, looking good. She's been a huge loss. She was, you know, she was double figures no matter what would happen. She's, you know, a WNBA quality player. So it was a huge loss to have it and to win without her was, was huge. I, my gut feeling said she won't play tonight, but she is one tough cookie. So nothing would surprise me. Buddy, what's the latest on NBL just around the corner from kicking off? Uh... Well, most importantly, how are our Kings looking? Yeah, no, they're looking good. Uh, they've had a good preseason. Look, we're not the same team as we were last year. You know, when you yeah. lose your three imports like we did with the boys that have gone overseas and replace them with the ones we've got now, we're, we'll be fine. Um, the comp starts this weekend and we play the mighty Illawarra Hawks. So they um, you know, down the road, the little brothers, as we call them. Um, look, they'll be great. The Kings will be up there. I have no doubt about it. But this is probably one of the most even competitions I've seen in a long time coming into a season. There's certainly no one out there saying, this is who's going to win it. But Adelaide came off a great preseason and they won that, which they did last year as well. But uh, it's looking good. Go those Kings. Well, we're looking forward to getting a full preview of you later in the week. But $5 the field as far as the overall winner is concerned. So very open, as you say, Brad. I just want to go to the States because I think last Friday we were waiting to see what the uh, punishment would be for the Boston Celtics coach, Emo Udoka. And he has been suspended for the entire season. The owner of the Celtics saying that uh, an independent investigation uncovered multiple violations of team policies that led to that punishment. That is a, a huge punishment, isn't it, to say the least? And this was for, for those who missed it, uh, well, he had an improper relationship with a member of the Boston Celtics staff. And uh, it's, it's all come out. To this. I just don't understand. Like, I mean, whilst... 
it is, you know, not appropriate and I understand all of that a year is huge. And so I don't know if we're hearing everything, but what I can say to you is this is a Boston Celtics that got to the, well, won the Eastern Conference Finals and then went to the NBA Finals. This coach is, is new in the league in a sense because he took over Brad Stevens. And that that is just such a massive loss for this ball club. And that, you know, we've all seen when things don't start well for a club, it can just blow up. So it will be huge to see, A, who they replace him with, and B, what it does for the club. Where does that leave his career then, Brad? Will he get picked up again? Look, for what he's done, you'd think yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, all, all of your, your, everything will come with, you know, everyone deserves a second chance and everything like that. But uh, it's going to be hard because I don't think he'll get back in Boston, especially if a coach comes in and, you know, he's got a very talented squad, so are you going to go and replace that? Will he get another team? Oh, all good coaches do. They'll move on. Like good players. Mm. Yes. And less than a month out from the season, naturally the Brooklyn Nets will be watching closely with the Australian flavour there with Paddy Bills and Ben Simmons. And I see that Kevin Durant has spoken publicly for the first time in uh, quite a few months. And, uh, well, let's just say not exactly humble comments, I would say here, Brad. I'll read some of these quotes for you. I wanted everybody to be held accountable for their habits as a basketball player. This is in relation to him uh, requesting a trade, of course after the season, uh, goes on to say that uh, when I went out with the injury, we lost 10 in a row, and I'm like, we shouldn't be losing some of these games that we lost, regardless of who's on the floor. Uh, And he goes on to say, I know I'm that good that you're not just going to give me away. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That... that, There are so many comments coming to my mind. My wife is one of them. She tells me she's that good every day. But that's slightly <laughs> different. But let me just say that that is KD, and that is what oh. he's like in American basketball. And you know what's terrible? He's actually right. I don't know if I'd say it that way. So, you know, that's <laughs> Probably one of those times you can think it, just don't say it. Yeah, exactly. Like, really? You actually said, you know what? At the end of that, you'd actually, we'd all look at each other and go, did I actually say that out loud? Yeah. But for KD, he does. And he's right. It was a bit of a show there. It was ridiculous. You've got guys sitting out, guys that didn't want to play, but... Yeah, I don't know if I can come out and do it. Well, the one thing is now, now he's got to back it up, and he will. That's the type of player. But let me just say, there's a great pod out at the moment with Ben Simmons on JJ Redick. Mm. JJ Redick is a former player with Ben Simmons, and I've listened to it. It's quite long, over an hour and a half. But it just talks about what's happened over the last little bit. Really good, actually. And Ben Simmons seems like in a really good space. So let's hope that uh, Kevin Durant doesn't come out and give one to Ben Simmons <laughs> after what he's just said. Okay, interesting. Okay, so we're just back to the World Cup tonight. The market with Tab. Has the Opals a dollar twenty and Japan four dollars forty? The line is nine and a half. Who wins? Give us a margin. Oh, yeah, no, who I'm, wins? Yeah, Aussie, <laughs> Aussies win. And uh, and all, just can I say, we really need Serbia to beat France. By the way, if Serbia okay. beat France, then we're guaranteed one and two. Look, I'm going for the Aussies, and I'm going for sixteen. Sixteen point win. We'll yep. be too good. Okay, France a dollar thirty. By the way, Serbia three dollars forty. So yeah, tough one. we need an upset. We definitely need an upset. And all that does is just guarantee us a top two finish. And like I said, just keeps us away from China. We're done from the US. That's good. We'll see them later, hopefully. And now it's just a matter of just getting away from China. They're playing really well as well. Great to speak to you on a Tuesday, mate. Go those Opals. Go those Kings. Go basketball. See ya. <laughs> and the City Morning Herald, Adam Pengilly. Good morning. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. A big day with the Epsom, the Tab Epsom barrier draw taking place. And it looks like the weights will need to be raised a touch. 
Yeah, common occurrence, isn't it, Jerry, when you get a situation like this? A lot of these horses that were initially weighted in the top of the weights won't be running, including like the Zaki on Thunderstruck, uh, Montefilia, Snapdance, obviously heading towards the Everest, and Mr. Brightside, which means that Top Rank's probably going to carry top weight along with Converge at this stage. Uh, we know how good he was winning the Bill Ritchie there first up. I've got a huge opinion of, a huge opinion of him as a horse, and I think his race sets up really nicely for him. So I don't think that weight will stop him. The weight's probably fairly compressed anyway, given the given the scale and the weight's having to be raced. And uh, raised and he'll be a, a legitimate chance of winning another group one there on the weekend. I see Fireburn. She's going to back up in the flight stakes. Yeah, not 100% confirmed yet, Loz. I had a chat to Gary Portelli late yesterday and he said that she didn't eat up completely on Saturday night after the Golden Rose. So just wants to see how she comes through the night and into this morning and he wants to see a bit of improvement. His words to me were she's probably about 50-50 at this stage and he'd love to run her in the flight stakes this week given how good she was in the Golden Rose. Just stepping back to that Phillies grade and out to a mile looks like a really lovely race for her, but he wants the horse to tell him first. Otherwise, she might be off to the paddock. So... If you're backing, I uh, want to back her in the all-in markets. So I'll just hold off just a little bit until this final field's declared a little bit later today and see what Gary's got to say um, after he sets it this morning. There's a bit of rain around too, so if she runs, yeah, you think she'll, she'll firm up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And she, she was great there again in the Golden Rose on the weekend on a, obviously a surface that was drying out. So I know we talk about this Golden Slipper curse and these winners of the Golden Slipper can't really go on and kick on with it as a three-year-old, but I think a couple of runs back so far this campaign showed that she's still right in the mix. Alligator Blood on the third line of betting for the Cox Plate at $7. Enemo $3. Zaki at 6 What did you take out of that Underwood Stakes at Sandown on Sunday? Yeah, he was so tough, wasn't he, Jared? Alligator Blood. And it's going to be one of the stories of the spring because Gay has still not won the Cox Plate so far in her decorated and distinguished career. It's one race at the Luda along with the Australian Derby. And he potentially is looming as her best chance in a very, very long time. I think a lot of people that started the campaign were thought, oh, there's no way Alligator Blood can measure up in a Cox Plate and stretch out to 2,000 metres. But the more I think about it, the more that sort of tight-turning track at Mooney Valley and him slingshotting off those bends, he's going to be really hard to run down. So I think for me, that Underwood Stakes there on the weekend just confirmed that he's right up to his uh, eyeballs in a race like the Cox Plate. Zaki, um, expected maybe it's a little bit more from him, Jared, if I'm being completely honest, but he's, he's still on track for the Cox Plate. But uh, Animo is obviously a ruling favourite at the moment, provided he comes through his issues after his last start in the George Main Stakes and all the work from the campaigns he's got over his lameness pretty quickly. He he deserves to be favourite. And I'm thunderstruck as well, so obviously going to be right in the mix. But, oh, geez, I'm fascinated to see how alligator blood measures up in the clock's plate when we get there in a few weeks' time. Yeah, probably a best chance guy since... More joyous, he'd probably More have joyous, to say. Yeah, the in- oh. infam- infamous <laughs> barrier. <to forehead. laughs> Gosh, who could what forget? A, what chaos that was, that oh. Unreal. Uh, did, were you at the Parramatta Media Day yesterday, or the Parramatta at Kellyville there to see all the fans? Yes, I was. Yeah, great day. Um, probably about 3,000 fans, and they all lined the fence. And um, Parramatta guys are great, Jared. They they signed a lot of autographs and hung around and engaged with their fans for, for a long time yesterday and conducted a lot of media interviews. Very interested to see how this plays out with his team selection. Uh, Tom Opechek did some run-throughs sort of to the side of the group yesterday. He got up to a little bit higher speed than, than what he would have last week, but I still don't think he's... I still think he's got a fair way to go, put it this way, to prove his fitness for, for the game on, on the weekend. And Bailey Simonson did such a great job as well, Loz, on, on the weekend. You'd be reluctant to, to change Bailey Simonson, wouldn't you? And it's a massive risk if a guy like Tom Opechek busts his hamstring in the first 10 minutes. Like Then, you, then your whole bench rotation is thrown out. Yeah, I, I think he's got to be at least flying by Wednesday, Opechek. Yeah. He's got to be going and humming tomorrow, otherwise you can't afford to take a risk with him. And uh, from what I saw on the news last night and what they were saying in the report was that he sort of said to the, the physio he could feel his hemi. So if yeah. he could feel his hemi, that doesn't 
give you a great deal of confidence that'll be ready to go. But that's just a tough call you've got to make in grand final week. And I, I, I'm just interested to see who they actually pick in their 17, Parramatta. Mm. I'm fascinated to see whether Nathan Brown gets a, a recall or not. Well, we know how good Penrith are through the middle, Loz. Um, and they're going to really need to muscle up in the middle. And Nathan Brown's that type of guy, isn't he? Um, you can play him for 35, 40 minutes, whatever you need to play him. And he just adds that bit extra starch through the middle, and especially with the wet conditions around this week, Loz. Like, it's obviously going to be a you know, tough game in the in the middle. Do you, do you drop a Bryce Cartwright? Do you drop a Jake Arthur? It would be a massive call. But um, and Nathan Brown's been played NRL for, what, best part of two months now, isn't it? Mm, best part, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, oh, it's a game. It, it's your second-guessing a coach who knows the yeah. ins and outs of the playing group. There might be someone in that group that's carrying a bit of a niggling injury and, mm. um, you know, he wants that cover there for Jake to play half or, or hooker if something happens to a Reed Marnie or, or one of the halves. But I, I don't know. I, I I think I'd be tempted to go with the four forwards on the bench and use your Bryce Cartwright as the utility. Yeah, it's a big call, isn't it, though, Loz? Just given his sons involved and everything like that, that's, that's yeah, it's a, it's a massive call. Yeah, it is, it is. And you roll the dice either way, um, you'll be criticised. Um, mm. But everyone's got their own personal view on it. The thing that stands out for me, though, was their two victories this season have mm. come when Parramatta have used four interchange, uh, four big men on the bench in their interchanges when they've, mm. when they've beaten Penrith twice. Yeah, I don't think Jake's done anything wrong in the limited game time he's got, but I, yeah, it, it just it might be one of those calls that just needs to be made. Thanks so much, mate. Have a good day. See you, boys. Just some Raiders news, Loz, yesterday. Joe Tarpany, re-signed. Never in Four-year extension. Takes him through to 2027. Won his first Meninga medal as the club's player of the year, which was very expected as well. So that is great news for Ricky's Raiders. Yeah, he's an exceptional player, Joe Tarpany. Um, arguably the best front rower in the comp. This season, um, his best football is still in front of him. Um, they needed to re-sign him. They did do that. And it sh- he shows confidence in the club that they're building and heading in the right direction.